Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the newest episode of the Wrestling Court. I can't. I still can't believe we're over three hundred episodes now. I yeah, still can't believe it. It is crazy, Rob. Um, I'm your host Julian Cannon. My co-host and friend Rob are here. We're going to talk about Dark Side of the Ring, AEW, uh, the WWE draft, and much more to come. Along with uh, our thoughts about Marvel's What If, the last two episodes that I just caught up on with Thor and Ultron. So we got a lot to talk about today. Only thing I did not see is the dark side of the ring because when it, uh, I have the the Vice app, right, and it, it, even though it, it it's the TV app, right, it doesn't let you watch on demand of that the newest episode, the FMW, and it makes me mad. Like I saw the Chris Cannon Canyon, but uh, the uh, FMW one, like it's like oh, it, it comes on and like I missed the airing where it was like seven o'clock on Thursday, and I said all right, so I'll wait and it should be available. And it was not on demand on the app. So I can only watch it like if it was when it comes on the TV station. I'm like, well, that's pointless. I'm not waiting to midnight. So I tried to watch it on YouTube because most people end up uploading it. And the friggin' thing, the copies were abysmal. I tried to watch like the first five minutes. Oh, boy. And, and I was like, I can't watch this. This is fucking terrible. So I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to wait. It should be available. I should be able to watch it soon. But I'm pissed. I saw like a little bit of it, but like... Not good enough. You know, I enjoyed the episode mostly because um, FMW was a crazy promotion. Not as crazy as some of the others, but as far as the level of brutality they went through, it was insane. And to think that ACW and some of the others would not be here because of FMW, that's a thought that's always going to cross my mind. I never knew that they started with 89? Yeah, they started in 1989. I did not know that. Because when I heard about them and I got to see tapes and stuff, it was always when when ECW was around already. So you saw a lot of the um, like matches were like in the late '90s. You saw like like, like these be- compilation videotapes and stuff that you get from overseas. I used to go to these Japanese crazy commercials or Japanese crazy wrestling death matches and and all crazy stuff. I, I never saw. I didn't think that it was even as early as '89. I figured it was in the mid. 90s at least at early no earlier than the ecw run not knowing that they started in 89 oh yeah they started in 89 and the reasoning behind that is because uh nita wanted to combine wrestling and martial arts together while also getting the idea of reading comic books awesome i mean <laughs> <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> but I didn't hear about FMW up until Hayabusa's entry in 2001. That was the first time I've ever heard of it. You know, I, I knew about them prior, like I said, but it was always because we had those tapes. But I don't think I ever had a full, like, like card. It'd be random matches, you know? You'd see, like, you know, whatever match this was, this exploding this, this barbed wire match here. I think the shark one in the sea. It was all over the place. I saw like matches were just compilation. And sometimes it wasn't just FMW too. It would be other guys who try to emulate them too. But it would just be a collection. And yeah, it was like 96, 97. You know. And most of the stuff, it was even crazy. A lot of them weren't even subtitled. They would really? just, it, yeah, they would just tape it and get it. And here, it's a wrestling match. What the fuck you need <laughs> subtitles for? Go, you know? Oh my God! Then around the mid two thousands, I went through YouTube rabbit hole watching a lot of those exploding ring matches, yeah. electrified cage matches, the one where they did in the water. That one is so my favorite because that was such shit. It was that match was such shit, but it's fun to watch. 
you know, on the episode, I won't give too much away since you haven't seen it yet, but on the episode, there were some new stories that were told. Uh, one of them in particular by Sabu. He told a story about Mike Awesome helping him being jumped by the Yakuza. And holy shit, I did not think he would survive that. <laughs> that I'm going, now, now I have to watch this. I'm going to have to illegally download it because even though I pay for fucking Vice, I can't get to see it. God damn it. On YouTube, they want like $17 to watch the fucking episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because it's it's on it's on Dark Side of the Rings channel, but it's on the underneath the paywall. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not paying $16.99 to watch this one episode, which will be free next week. I'm like, and I pay for Vice already. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, Sabu also, not only Sabu, but him and Nonita also talked about the story of that fire rope match that went out of control. Yeah, yeah, that match I know about. I seen the video from that. Like you couldn't even see the fucking ring. No, you couldn't. Everything was literally on the on fire. The ropes and the, the bandages they used for it. That's ridiculous. Sabu told that story about um how <clears throat> uh the Sheik was the only one left in that ring at the time, and he thought he was going to be dead, but Onita saved him because you know wow. once you're in a condensed area of fire, it takes away all the oxygen. And a lot of the places they wrestled out of were like not like sprinkler. They were like just some fucking shitholes. <laughs> <laughs> so the story gets crazy when oh um when they get to the part where Onido stepped down as the owner of um, FMW, then a new owner came in, which was the ring announcer. He acted as president. And based on the research I did before this episode and where they um put on a press release. The owner committed suicide because he owed money to the Yakuza. Yakuza. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's... Yakuza, yeah. Yakuza, yes. Yeah. And once you mess with them, they don't give a shit who dies. They want their money. Uh, Yeah, that's just how that works. And they have a whole level of systems of how they do shit. And cops ain't going to help you out there. No, they're not. i that right now. I have... I do have my own... Uh, interaction with Yakuza when I was in Japan. <laughs> so you owe the money? <laughs> no, no, we didn't owe the money. It's because okay. they run all the they run all the strip clubs and and, and prostitute rings. And uh, I'll tell the story another time. But oh it's a, <laughs> it, it's it's not that big of a deal. But it's so fucking funny when you realize like, yo, this guy's look fucking legit, and this guy don't give a fuck. This is like <laughs> they're not hiding their shit. Like they don't have to hide their shit. It's definitely have died down a lot, but it's still prevalent. Yeah, and it's definitely in certain areas. Like it, you don't fuck around. It's like, <laughs> it's like old school mafia. It feels like, it's like, like the movie version of the mafia in New York, but like the Japanese legitly live it. That's the best way I can explain. Best way I can explain it. The dude even had a pinstripe suit and everything. I'm not even fucking kidding you. I, f- I found it quite interesting that they tracked down not only the second owner's daughter, but also Hayabusa's daughter. They're both oh, yeah. interviewed well, for this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's... I mean, just showing how well they've been getting the people behind these documentaries to show up. They did a pretty... They can get anybody. I think they do a pretty good job. So granted, why didn't they get Raven? But and well, then uh, they get Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, no, but I'm, Brock wants too much money. But the fact that, yeah, you know, high abuses do I mean high abuses 
gone. So getting his daughter would be the next best thing. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But like I said, they've done a pretty good job of who they got to be in the documentaries within the limits. And I still, like I said, about the Chris Canyon that like, you know, Raven wasn't asked to be a part of it. You know, he should have. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, these guys are doing documentaries. They're looking for compelling interviews, right? You want to have a different perspective. And maybe they just didn't know, or maybe they were told by somebody, don't waste your time. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, it's more to it than what you think. I think, Ra- I think Raven would have got a, gave a good um, story about Canyon, not only because they wrestled at WCW for each other, but they also traveled all the time. Yeah, I would love to have heard that. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you feel bad for Chris Canyon, but they also, I had uh, some questions about some of the stuff I was in that one. I don't know if we got to talk about that one either. We no, didn't no, we didn't, no, we didn't get to talk about it. We'll talk <clears> about <throat> it right now, but let me close out on FMW's um, mm-hmm. other note that I had. Chris Jericho was also talking head on this episode, and I did not know he wrestled in FMW. I knew he wrestled in New Japan. I knew he wrestled in um, Mexico, and New Zealand, and um, ECW. FMW, I never knew Jericho wrestled there until this episode aired. Wow. Well, I know because he mentioned a bunch of the guys from that promotion, but I thought maybe he just knew them from, like you said, the circle, you know, being New Japan. And did he work at All Japan, Jericho? I believe he did. But FMW, they had a few photos of him over there. That was I was blown away. I didn't know he wrestled there. Jericho's fucking, you know, say what you want about him personally. But when it comes to wrestling, the fucking guy is seasoned. <laughs> He's done a lot. <laughs> Yes, yes. And um, let's get to Chris Canyon. That was also another episode that aired two weeks ago. I did like this episode, but I feel like there was a few things on a timeline that could have been set in order. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, we talked about this, me and you, uh, during the week, when, or right after it came out. They definitely put things out of order. You see when they jump back and forth on the timeline. And I don't know exactly why they did that. It was not told in chronological order uh, they started it in chronological order but you saw when they were jumping back and forth between even right from the beginning the whole thing with moolah and then over to here then over to there it, they kind of jumped a couple years back and forth throughout the whole thing and i just don't know why that pacing or that editing decision was made maybe if it was in chronological order maybe they felt it was kind of boring maybe as as you're watching it it just didn't flow better because it's not like they were wrong about their information. It was just more about their time frame jumps, especially their time jumps. You know, and I always forgot. I don't know why I always forgot that Mortis was fucking Chris Canyon. I don't know why. I knew it, like, but I don't think about it that way because it's such a different gimmick. It's almost like that's oh, not him. Yeah, it's like, it, you know, it of, is. of the characters between Mortis and Glacier, I've always uh, was a fan of Mortis. Well, you know, first out, a, uh, I you, know, you gotta give them credit. That was there still, right? When those characters came out and that time frame was starting to change in WCW, they were really trying to change the whole product. They were, you could saw that that was the whole Eric Bischoff. They were really trying to change everything, right? They're trying to definitely get out of the old way and get into this new stuff. And they're like, Mortal Kombat's popular. Hey, we'll have a Mortal Kombat knockoff character. Like, dude, it's fucking Sub Zero. Um, but it's fine because it's like they made it work. And at least they were willing enough to give a foil. It's like, okay, you have Glacier, you're going to have Mortis. You know, you have Shao Kahn to your 
you know, Sub-Zero, right? And I think that's a cool idea. I think sometimes when they make a character, um, you need a foil. I think what when you have a gimmick, it's a gimmick character. Gimmick characters sometimes really need a foil. Yeah, they could fight regular wrestlers, but like, let's be real, okay? Undertaker goes against Jimmy Snooker. Do you give a fuck? But if Undertaker went against Mankind, do you give yeah. a fuck? The gimmick really helps sell each other. They they're comp- they they're, they 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 complement each other. You know, it's in the comic books. Your Superman is only as good as Lex Luthor. You know. Batman's only as good as Joker, Captain America, Red Skull. You know, you have to have the foil. So when you create a character like Glacier, that's cool. He's a special kind of character. What do you do with him if he's in a regular wrestling tournament? You need to at least have a storyline to make you fall in love or at least start to respect the character. You need something to fall into, right? Right. And um, and I feel with the with Glacier having the, the Mortis character, which was cool, I just feel like it was at that time people weren't giving it a fuck. I agree. And I also set this in notion. When they first aired those Glacier promos, it was in April of 96. NWO mm-hmm. didn't debut until July. And Glacier debuted in, in September. So that was about four or five months they kept promoting him. And then Mortis' character didn't debut until the following year. So they had, right. they had a few um, hiccups with the timeline with the producers. Well, I think the whole point is also this is a Chris Canyon story more than there's a Glacier in proper timeline. But the idea is, yeah, NWRA debuted. Let's be – I think what James Mitchell was trying to get at was like the cartoon character isn't going to live long because let's be real. NWO is already dominated. Yes. You know, they really – by that NW, time – NWO was dominating and over at WWE, we had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels still doing their thing. Right. Think about this. It took a good – I mean, it was popular, but they didn't really finalize. When you think of NWO, it took months to finalize that version. Yes. So by the time Mortis came around, the writing was on the wall already. Like, all right, this NWO shit's just taking over. Nothing we you do is going to matter. I think that's what Mitchell was trying to get at. What, you know, it's the way he's saying it. Um, but I understood what he meant by it. Like, yeah, this this is not – you're not going to last being Mortis – with the NWO having complete control and having full pay-per-views. And he's right. He, he, right. he was 100% right that, you know, it wasn't Chris's fault. He did what the job told him to do. And he played the character great. It's a great looking costume design. The mask was cool and shit. Love to have a more action figure because I think it would look cool. Uh, but when it comes to at that time by 97, reality, Eric Bischoff was all about the reality Oh, you know, the real stuff. The, oh, ooh, ooh, this this politics, politics. That like where does Ice Iceman and fucking Skull Mask dude stand? They don't. So I get it, you know? And it's sad for Chris Canyon, but I feel the biggest problem with Chris Canyon is he had more than just bipolarism. I know they diagnosed him with by being bipolar, or maybe they never diagnosed him. Maybe he just said he was. Uh he needed medication. He obviously needed not just help, but medication. I feel like he is much more on the spectrum of how Malo or Manalo is on that whole bipolar disorder where they right. really get almost to the – without – I'm not saying that he gets like that, Malo or Manalo, but schizophrenia. 
it's if you don't have it, if you have it unchecked and you don't take medications, you can go off the deep end. They do explain that in the documentary a little bit, but it also has to do with his personal life. The fact that this dude had to hide who he was. First, I never knew Chris Canyon. I knew his voice. I should have realized. Didn't know he was from Sunnyside uh, here in Queens and, you know, north of me here in Brooklyn. But it's like I should have realized that, you know, and, and you watch it. And you're like, you feel bad because it's like they live. He's living a lie and he can't be himself because the ribbing and yeah. the, tr- the treatment, you know, the stuff the Undertaker likes. Um, <laughs> we'll, get into that. we'll get into that, too. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like. His downward spiral was not just him being closeted. It definitely was a big part because he was really afraid of it. But it was about having to hide it, not just from his family and his friends. But from the, from the entire locker room. The business. The business. You know, hiding it from the business. Almost feeling like he wanted to get caught by how he handled stuff. And then assaulting James Mitchell. Because yeah, he had that no- was sorry, that was quite shitty for him to do. I'm not even gonna try to speak ill of the dead, but the amount of time, yeah. the number of times he had a lot of outbursts and threatening to Taking kill Mitchell, this yeah. guy, yeah, that was that was shitty. And let's be real, Jane Mitchell, I, and I, I've always loved the Sinister Minister. He was a great manager. Yes, uh, he never. I don't people. A lot of people didn't get to really know who he was, but he was awesome. And you know, he got to ECW and he excelled. And he got to go away from that. And then he went to TNA and he excelled too. Yeah. He was always great wherever he went, especially the Sinister Menace and the gimmick he created. I think that would have been something, if they could have brought him in with, not saying mankind, but like, imagine if he would have came out with Kane instead of, instead of like, you know, Paul Paul Bearer. I get the connection that you need Paul Bearer and he became a son, but the Sinister Minister's look was just would have fit, I think, better with Kane. Mm. And uh, just that look and the way he talks, the way he was doing stuff. And he st- it still could have been the same storyline. And I think it would have given a, a spot for, you know, Citizen Minister to get on the main roster. I think it would be a great character for him to have been with. But, you know, whatever. I think he did great with Mikey Ripwreck and he did great with uh, Tajiri, you know, and all the stuff that he did later on. Uh, but, you know, to see how he got treated. And yet he still considered him a friend. That's weird. That uh, being abused that bad that he just didn't give up on him. That's crazy. Uh, but one thing that did bother me, and I don't mean to, this is going to come off really wrong, but I have to say it. He became very close friends with Matt and Nick Jackson. The young bucks. They were 16, and Brian Cage as well. Yeah, they were 16 and 19, respectively. He was calling them every day. He was trying to commit suicide, having a 19-year-old Matt Jackson on the phone with him. Like, that is a really scummy and fucked up thing to do. And I hate to say this because I had a friend. um, He wrestled for my promotion. But uh, he would have friends that were very young because his mentality was young, my friend's mentality. He's older than me. But at the time, you know, we were in our 20s and 30s. He started hanging out because he was into Pokemon like 20-something years ago. 97, Pokemon came out. He was like 25. Well, who was into Pokemon in 97? Kids. Kids and teenagers. He he was hanging out with teenage kids at pizza places playing Pokemon. The parents were scared. The six-foot-three-inch, 300-pound wrestling guy in a pizzeria with their sons. 
What's he fucking doing? And it, it caused the problem because he wasn't doing nothing, but he liked the things that they liked. And so when you like Pokemon cards or you like this, back then you had to hang out with kids. Why was a 30-something-year-old Chris Canyon becoming just friends with the Bucks if he wasn't training them, calling them every day? He had some real issues, Canyon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be making a team. Like, I mean, the Bucks didn't talk ill of him at all. They treated him like... No, I thought, they, was... I thought the Bucks came out great, despite how I feel about them in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't like it, but the point is that, like, you know, think about this. I, as a, a 44-year-old man, I think it's a horrible idea that some guy in his late 30s, his mid-30s, definitely probably late 30s by the time they were 19, so were, you, were, you were, you were, I think, around 31 or 32 by the time we first met. Yeah. And I was 21. Yeah. But that's a, that's different than a 20, 27-year-old with a, what, 18, 17-year-old no, was No, no, no. They, he was like 30-something. And calling them every fucking day and talking to Nick, who was 16. It's just that there's a problem there. Yeah. Not not saying that. That's right. I'm just saying that, like, a wrestling connection is cool. Jules, you were 21 years old. You were working a job. We worked at a job together. We had similar interests. Cool. I wasn't calling you every day. I wasn't calling you when you're about ready to take a shower to tell you I was going to kill myself. I wasn't doing anything like that. Obviously, I don't have bipolar this issue but i feel like there's there's a disconnect that i feel i'm not speaking ill of the dead i'm just speaking from what i'm seeing here he needed help he needed therapy he needed a he well, needed- that begs to my next question um there's other wrestlers that was in the house with him especially living with him at the time and not and they were one, young too and, yeah they were young also but not one of them suggested for him to get uh help from therapy or from professional you can't have a young adults who are in the wrestling business be useful for anything other than drinking hanging out and partying they fucking tied him down because he was going to go to Scientology, break into the place because he saw fucking aliens. Yeah. So they figured their best course of action, because they're a bunch of meatheads, was to tie him up until he woke up and come, came out of it. That is not a healthy relationship for nobody. That is a fucking damaging relationship. Obviously, the way he treated James Mitchell was abusive. And, and, and it was wrong. And I think it's a partially sexual frustration because he Never once did he have a partner. He was this whole time hiding who he was. He never had a partner. And he had never someone he can come home and say, I love you too. Like, another, you're going to tell me there was no other gay wrestlers? I mean, we make the, I've made the joke about how bad Pat Patterson was as a, as a predator. But there must have been somebody who he could have confided in as a wrestler or somebody in a community. If you live yeah. in Florida, if you live in Florida, you know there's tons of gay communities in Florida. You could have found yourself. And you know, yeah, you come out. Yeah, you came out. But you came out because you were mad that they were going to let someone else come out. Orlando Jordan. It's like... But Orlando and even, Jordan and never... even so, WWE um, released Orlando Jordan shortly um, after that. Yeah. It didn't matter. And they didn't do the gimmick anyway. No, they didn't. It was just an idea that he pitched. My thing about all this is, is like, you're taking my gimmick. I'm the gay one. It's like, yeah, but you've hit it for your whole life. He had, he needed help. 
he needed help on a level that he could never get. And he was in the wrong career for that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to say he actually ever would put himself on any of the young wrestlers because I'm not saying that. I just felt that maybe he had a mentality that he thought he was like 18, 17. Because they say he would throw parties and joke around and be yeah. silly. And it's like, well, you know, that's a young mentality. That's that, that's that mentality where you're like, I'm a kid. I'm a kid in my brain. Meanwhile, you're almost 40 years old. There let's is get, a difference. Let's get yeah. to his uh, WWE run real quick. Uh, he was picked up from the WCW roster in 2001. Uh, he won the WCW United States Championship and also the WWE Tag Team Championship, yep. along with the WCW Tag Team Championship as well. Uh, he had he was that, yeah, 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 from the Undertaker and Kane. He was really featured around that invasion time, and then he got injured. And by the time he came back, they did that controversial segment with him and the Undertaker. Now, Bruce, according to Bruce Pritchard, this was not intended for um, WWE to rib him. Not just according to Bruce Pritchard, but that also that WWE writer or agent or whoever that was that they interviewed. According to them, that was not the intended purpose. To oh, that guy who was supposed to be his friend, right? His right. childhood friend who works at AEW. Yes, that guy. Okay, he's saying that, oh, it was never intention that uh, I call bull. I call bullshit on that too. Whether if they knew he was gay or not, um, I call bullshit on that. Well, yeah, they, they said, oh, put an extra lisp on. Well, Boy George, did, okay, guys, if you don't know Boy George, Boy George doesn't have a lisp. No, he doesn't. Chris Canyon has a lisp. Chris Canyon is known for having a lisp. He hates having a lisp. The boys all knew it. They all knew it. You're going to tell, once again, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say this. Oh, hold on. Before I, you, sorry, Rob. Yeah, I, was going to, yeah. I was also going to say, uh, once he came out the box, no um, pun intended, uh, Taker starts beating the shit out of him, gave him a few chair shots along with one to darkly to the head. Freaking brutal. And I still remember that segment to this day when I first saw it. I re- I, I, I was thinking, watched it too. dude, I was thinking the whole time when I was watching this back that Undertaker must have done what he was told to do. I don't think Taker went out of his way to kick his ass. Here's my thing. There was no reason for that gimmick to do that. At no. all, there was nothing. No one benefited from that segment. So when you say, "Oh, it was not done intentional," I call shenanigans. I when certain things are too. done, when you see certain things that are done, uh, they are done on purpose. Especially in the right. See, stop trying these. I know. I mean, the guy works for AEW, but he he did work for WWE. He worked at Mass Square Garden. He's done his business. He's not going to burn bridges. This guy. So he's on. He's smart enough to know on a documentary. I'm not going to say anything that, you know, that would <laughs> And I get was, that. I get it. much smarter than Tommy Dreamer, I'll tell you. Yes. But at the end of the day, uh, you watch that segment. I remember watching that segment. I remember when he came out and they did the whole thing. I'm like, and, you know, I remember watching going, who the fuck is that? Because, you know, you, I, I don't know if they even said it was Chris Canyon at first. No, not at first. Until they said it until they, sorry, they said it at the attack while it was going on. I think when he when Taker walked around and he attacked Taker from behind and then Taker laid him out and destroyed him. But my thing is, is that the box, the boy George, the makeup they made him put on, the lisp and all that. And he got no fucking offense and nothing came of it. There was no feud. 
there was nothing there that meant for it that, oh, yeah, well, this is going to lead to something. When you do something like that, aren't these things supposed to see? They're supposed to lead to something. I'll tell you why this happened. Um, Taker and Big Show was feuding at the time. So I guess they wanted um, Canyon to be the one to get his ass kicked just so Taker and Big Show could still feud. But you could use anybody else. You brought him yeah, in they, for that. Yeah, they could have used anybody else. It could have been anybody. And why did they have to do that? You see what I'm saying? Why did it have to be that stereotype, the whole thing? There was nothing about it that was right. I'm sorry. I, I disagree. I think that it was on purpose to rib him, and then they fired him. They never uh, used they him again. Wait, no, no, they, they didn't fire, It was like a year later or something. Yeah, a year later they fired him because he was still on. Where was he on TV? <laughs> he was still on SmackDown and Velocity after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Velocity. Once again, if you're on Velocity, you were. I know. <laughs> Velocity didn't even count as a show. At least something that he had backing behind the pay per views once a month. Fucking Velocity had Ungats. Like, <laughs> it wasn't even good enough to be Shotgun Saturday Night anymore. Like, it's so fucking terrible. And then. Here's the best part. You know, Ric Flair was really worried that, you know, oh, they're going to bring up the Howard Stern thing. And they did. Well, he he knew that was going to happen. But they didn't mention in the documentary when Ric Flair said to Chris Canyon, gay is a choice. They actually did not air that part of it. No, no, they didn't. So, you know, they could have. (laughs) <laughs> Ric Flair would have been doubly dead if that would have been aired, but they only aired that saying you weren't good enough and you weren't talented enough. They the, didn't John, air dude, the, part. The, the John Cena part, even though what Cena said was a bit shitty, I could see his point of view, but he could have worded the words differently. If we, let's be realistic. Um, Cena said that in 2006, and who was on top in 06? Cena, Edge, Orton, yep. Batista, and many others. Could have Canyon would have been a good upper mid card? Yes, but would I would have seen him as a world title contender in 2006? No. No, he could have been a U.S. title holder. He could have been intercontinental. He is so innovative. He could have formed a new tag team. I mean, legitimately, didn't they have Billy and Chuck right before that? Way, yeah, way, way before that. But you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, they could have done something with Chris Canyon and made him work. And it wasn't like back. it wasn't like Kenya was a horrible wrestler. He was a great wrestler, and he was yeah. pretty good on a mic. I just even in two thousand six, if he would have stayed there, I would have said this guy would have been upper mid card at best. Not- he still would have been employed and could have had a, a career. Yes, but when you get buried on Howard Stern by fucking the, the face of the company, by the way, and Ric Flair had, a week later. Yeah, literally two different shows. They. And yeah, or was it Ric Flair first on the radio and then John Cena? Or was it John Cena and then Ric Flair? It was John Cena and then Ric Flair. Okay. John Cena just saying he's not good. Oh, Chris is dead. And you're sitting there going, man, John, you do any. You see, that's my problem. Like, John Cena has really changed in the last couple of years and you're allowed to change. But that John Cena Whoa. in 2006, that John Cena was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'm going to make myself and I'm going to politic the shit because I want my spot. And he said, whatever it took. To keep himself in the spotlight, and you know, I get it. I we've talked about this before. Like people get mad, at punk about you know, punk don't politic. Punk just says how he feels. When he feels like this doesn't work, the crowd's not into it. Don't do this. And he was right. I could see that. John Cena's like, fuck that. I'm going to beat seven guys in one night, and I'm the winner. It's like there's no reason <laughs> for that. And that's the wrong John Cena. And when you say shit on the radio, 
Oh, I've known Chris for years. No, you did not. <laughs> no, you fucking did not, John Cena. You did not fucking know Chris Canyon for years. Stop your shit. I could, you only- I could probably see if they did because when um Chris came, when Chris um started coming back, he was sent to OVW at first. So and Cena, yeah. and this was way before Cena debuted. But for years, I don't know about that. <laughs> He said, oh, I've known Chris for years. And, you know, he's always been this one. Like, no, you might have known him. For months. For months. Not for fucking, like, John Cena, you didn't get nothing until after 2001, 2002. Chris Canyon had been wrestling on a fucking real network, real show for years before that. Don't don't give me that shit, bro. Like, you know, that was him talking shit, trying to make himself like, well, you know, I'm the face of the company. And uh, I say this. And, like, they're going to side with you. It's like. It's wrong. It's like, you know, did Chris say things that were outlandish and probably shoot himself in the foot? Absolutely. Uh, but what wrestler doesn't do that? Every wrestler feels that they've been owed more. You look at every wrestler's shoot interview. I don't care who you are. There's going to be guys that like that were basically look at the Damien Demento. Remember him? Was oh, it Damien Demento? Yes. That guy fucking thought he was main eventer. He thought he should be <laughs> beat the Undertaker. He should have been carrying the title on his, Dude, on, his on, one, on his first night end. You had one fucking match. No one remembers you, but he made a big deal out of himself and he would do these shoot interviews where he would talk about how you should do this. I was there. You weren't there for none of it. Shut the fuck up. And you know, Chris Canyon, you know, he probably did the same thing, but do I feel that? Everyone knew he had more to offer and they didn't give him anything. And it's like, you know what? Vince gets sour very fast on certain guys, especially let's be real. Once Brock Lesnar showed up, any guy that wasn't Brock Lesnar was getting the fucking yeah. shaft unless they worked really hard. And that, that's the thing, you know? Let's say if he did went <clears throat> and lasted all the way till 2006. You know, do you remember who returned in 2006? Uh, 2006. Who? Uh, DX. Oh, that was the DX. They would have just made. They would have. They would have um, massacred him on the mic. Probably said they a few. Probably said a few slurs too. They absolutely because look what look what happens back. Remember when? What was it? FTR guys and they were on the the MSG show. Was it then they got the shit beat out of each other for the MSG, the MSG and the the Hammerstein Ballroom Duel show. Who did they beat up when DX was in the ring? Whatever they were beating up the tag team wrestling. Was it was it the the revival that they beat up? Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was the revival. You're talking about they Raw fucking, twenty Raw twenty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Look what they they fucking bunch of old relics come up and beat up one of the fucking best fucking tag teams who was on the rise and had done a lot of shit, and they just fucking annihilated them for for what? For like five six minutes, they destroyed them. For what? There was no reason for that, right? They w- so imagine DX in 2006, what they would have done to a Chris Canyon if he was around. Yes. Yeah, they would have annihilated. They would have made fun of him. They would have talked about wieners and, oh, you like to eat wieners, don't you? And they would have done a whole bunch of hot dog references, and yeah, they, which they already had done, but it would have been more childlike, and they just looked more embarrassing as they did as they got older. That's exactly what would have happened. Yep. So Chris Canyon passed away in April of 2010, a few days after WrestleMania 26. I remember the day when the news broke. Uh, I was like, wait, I, dude, I was I was in my second year at Baruch when I found that shit out. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It's one of those guys you're like, you're like, that's sad. And you know what? I think it hurt me uh, when, when I heard about Michael Awesome and how he committed yeah. suicide. 
And when I heard about Chris Canyon, I said, well, it's got to be the same thing. I thought, you know, suicide or something to that fact. Yeah, this was still, uh, this was started at this point where the wrestlers who are uh, between 35 to 40 started to pass away. By 2010, I think this was the last time we've heard sudden stories like that at that time. Yeah, because it was a bunch. It was like running. I think balls had died not that long after. If I'm not, I could be missing it up, but around that time frame, like the 2010 to 2012, like a bunch of them that started going. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, crazy episode. Um, next week's is Johnny K9. I've heard the podcast interview Jim Cornette did with the producers. Uh, they said that they interviewed his widow. They interviewed one of the biker gang members. <laughs> And they interviewed a few other people. So we're going to get it from both perspectives since on the surface, he was a job guy in WWE and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But behind the scenes, he was a freaking um, biker from one of those uh, motorcycle clubs. So we're going to get two unique perspectives on this guy. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, Hopefully by that time, I'll catch up on the freaking Onita thing because I want to see that one, Bradley. Blood and guts. (laughs) Yep. All right, uh, you want to get to AEW real quick? Sure, what are we going to talk about? So they, we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, we got the Owen Hart um, Foundation, um, that partnership they're going to come up with. And now this week we heard for the one with Brody Lee. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm glad that they're doing this. I, I have to admit, I was very happy because they always been talking about, oh, you know, this guy should debut or whatever. I'm like, if it's Rochester, no one should debut. I thought what they did and they had the wife come out and, and, and negative one threw the fucking papers at him. I thought that was such a cool way of like, it's not about making another debut. Sometimes you don't need to go crazy. Because a lot of fans are hearing a lot of you know, release wrestlers, so people get excited. I get people get excited. You want to see wrestlers try to make a new star for themselves, and I'm cool with that. But I love that it was about Brody, and they made it really well about Brody. I thought they did a good job with it. It was a heavily booked match, but you know, there's a lot of members, and I'm fine with it. it but I love his wife came out and the kid. I just thought that was really cool. I had a, I thought it was a really cool uh, moment. Rockstar's crowd was pretty ruckus too. I was. You know, I know it's New York, but it's rock. It's Rochester. It's, it's not New York, but they were. It's, they were it's pretty the neighbor. Crowd. That's what it's the neighbor. That's what I call it. Yeah, but they did. A, they were pretty loud and ruckus. I I liked it. The crowd was solid. So CM Punk had his first match on TV back a few weeks ago, and about seven years against Will Hobbs. I wanted this match to be good, but it was not good at all. I'm sorry. It wasn't bad. It was definitely an okay match. I had no problem. Will Hobbs, you know, I I feel like in another year. And I like and I like Will Hobbs. It's just yeah. these two did not click at all. Well, it was not the greatest match. I you know, seen as I'm sorry, um CM Punk's CM trying Punk. to is trying to like, you know, help lead the dance and have Will take the lead on spots. Will is going to be a heavyweight champion. In a year or two, a hundred percent. Uh, he's got he's getting there. He's still yes. young. Fuck, I don't know how young he is. He looks young as fuck. But uh, I thought what was great, it was a different style of match, and I thought they told it well in the ring. The crowd was hot, and that's all that ever matters, especially when it was recorded on the Wednesday, and no one got home until almost two or three o'clock in the morning. Because I had like five or six friends who were all at the show. And they didn't get home to two, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so remember, because they recorded Dynamite and all of Rampage, and they recorded three matches for Dark Elevation. 
So that was a long night. So goddamn shows. <laughs> you, know, you know what? That's cool though. They, you know, for you're paying whatever you pay for your tickets. At least you got a fucking full show out of it, right? You got the Dynamite show. You got the Rampage show, which they made a special Rampage. It was usually only one hour. They made it two hours, and you got an extra three matches for the Dark Elevation. I think that's cool because that's how ECW used to do it. You know, you pay for your ticket, and you got you were there for basically a month's worth of taping. You know, you were there. Like when I went to the ECW show at Hammerstein Ballroom, it was like six, seven hours we were there. And the crowd was hot the whole time. TNA used to do that too, except they did it for a span of a week. Mm, but this was cool because it's like you had seven hours and they put on this great series of matches. You have all the storylines are there. And they, I, how ECW used to do it because everything, ECW was always taped. It wasn't live really. Um, they would have two matches first, the crowd be hot, then they would do the introduction video. Which was cool, but this is just dynamite first, and then they, they they went right into I think, not too sure if they did dark elevation first, then rampage. I think it was like that. I feel it's what it was, you know, to get the crowd back down and bring them back up. You know, uh, I felt like the uh, the I you know it was not the greatest match, but Will Hobbs is going to be somebody big in about a year or two. He's definitely got it. He, the kid's got a. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a, a big deal, and I, I didn't hate the match. He made CM Punk bleed, and that was a good visual at the end. Sometimes it's not always about match sequence after sequence; it's about the whole overall story and how it looks on that. You know, especially when we do the highlight reel, how it's going to look at the end. If every match could do that, if WWE could do the same thing, it'd be better too. Give me matches that have spots that are always going to be great, and if not every part of it's great. Give me parts that are going to be fucking fantastic that you get those highlight reel moments. You know which ones are going to be the highlight reel moments, you know? You know, speaking of WWE, I thought the triple threat between Bobby Lashley, Big E, and uh, Roman was a very, very damn good match. I thought that was really good. Look who the fuck are you talking about? These guys are fucking talent. Let These them young guys do it. And guess who's coming back Monday? <laughs> Take a wide well, guess, Rob. Well, who's out. coming back Monday? <laughs> Bobby Lashley ain't young. But he he's definitely compared, compared to younger. Gilbert, he who's is coming young. back? <laughs> but you know what? That's the problem. Like you got guys like Bobby Lashley who fucking for the last decade and a half has been a phenomenal wrestler. Biggie, we've always known he was a phenomenal wrestler, and, and Roman has really shown that he's good. He's he's seasoned over the years. Some wrestlers need seasoning, just like John Cena did. He wasn't perfect when he started. By the end of his career, you're like, yeah, you feel comfortable with everything he does in the ring. Roman is almost there with that, and he is good. So tell me that you're going to have a match with these three guys. And if they fucked it up, I would not be surprised. But the truth is, there should be no reason why having those three guys in a match would fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. There should be no reason in hell that those three guys have a match that it shouldn't be a good match. The only way it wouldn't be bad, it would be bad is if they let they overbooked it by having – then rip up a script 72 times and say, well, I want this guy over. I want this. Just let them tell their story. The crowd will be behind it. Yeah, I wish, I wish we'd have told Eric Bischoff that 10 years ago when he did that on TNA's Monday night debut. They already had the talent that they needed to succeed. It, oh, they were there from the beginning. They were there from the years before. Like, they didn't do it right. Um, but on the post of the, uh, the Rampage and the Dynamite uh, AEW Grand Slam, I fucking love the fact that at the very least, when I put on AEW, if I put on Rampage or I put on Dynamite, I love that 
their formula right now is to give you a 20 minute fucking opening match that you're like, thank you. This is fun. And then, you know, I see, I know people that will tell me like, you know, I was watching raw and it was like 22 fucking minutes of promos and then like a four minute match. Cause I put on AEW, I get a 20 minute match, a four minute promo. And then I get another match. Like, you know, it, it depends. It's like, it's like, it's like, if you like Pepsi or you like Coke, right? You like soda, which is your preferred flavor. WWE, if you want a lot of people talking and, you know, silly fart jokes and silliness, if you're into that, cool. Then WWE is going to be great. AEW gives you the other spectrum, which is what I like. You know, I love ECW would do that. ECW wouldn't give me a million promos. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they give they me matches. Waited, and they wait until the end of the show to do that. Yeah, or if you're going to do it, have that match tell a story. And uh, like with the, the Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, they had this fucking match, right? Tell the bigger story. There's a bigger story to be told. It told the story, not just in the ring, but leading up for weeks to come. Fantastic. I love that. Is every single match CM Punk's going to have going to be great? No. No, no it's not. they're not going to be great, but his first match back in but a while, that one is, I, I, was it was a very I just, different match. I just hope that the next time he wrestles on TV is much better than what we saw a few weeks well, ago on Friday. I don't, I didn't hate it. I'm going to tell you, I didn't hate the match. I thought it was a different contrast in styles. The way they were selling the fact that, hey, the storyline is Punk's trying to get Will Hobbs to go to sleep. That was the storyline he's telling. And that's what Punk's plan was to yes. get him in the GTS or the sleeper hold. He's a different wrestler. Will Hobbs is a big, beefy dude. He's still a little young yet. He will be seasoned. But let me tell you, he learned a lot. And I heard that after the match that he went backstage and, like, thanked Punk for everything. Like, what you know, 100%, like, he, yeah. you know, he said he's still riding high on that because, you know, he's young. Like, he probably got into wrestling because of CM Punk. And, um, and but he's young and he'll get better. And to be allowed to have a match on TV with a legend, that's fucking cool. Regardless you know, if it's a five star match, it's not. It's not. It, but it was. It told the story to keep it going. You Go know, one one positive I will give for that match. Um, I'm glad that Will Hobbs protected CM Punk many times. Unlike the last big giant guy Punk fought, which was right yeah. back. <laughs> you see what pisses me off? You like you were saying? Like think about that. Right back to this day, still thinks he didn't do nothing wrong. Fucking but he knows Hobbs. he did something wrong. Will Hobbs chokes them CM Punk through the table. Even though the table didn't break, he it, he still protected and they, him. And you know what? Ryback tosses, tosses Punk to a table. Not only that, it messed, but he broke his freaking tailbone. Yeah. Dude, it's fucking great. Will Hobbs, I love how they made it part of the story, how Punk made it part of the story. He's like, you didn't break the table. You didn't finish the job. And that's where you messed up. That's great. He didn't ignore the fact the table didn't break. He made it a part of the story. That is good storytelling. Make it all count. If it's a fuck up, make it count. You know, if things go wrong and people want to shit on it, oh, that table didn't break. Oh, this didn't happen. Once you make it part of the story, let it go because now we've made it. You take your mistakes and make it a part of the story. Mistakes will happen in any promotion. Silly things are going to happen. You, it's live TV, right? It's live, pal. You know live, what's going to happen. Live, pal. It, it's something's gonna fuck up. Yeah, something's gonna fuck up. I'm glad that. But they... if you 
I'm glad they did it this way, unlike they did it months ago with the whole failed ring explosion. Well, here's the uh, thing. They they ended up making it part of the storyline the best they could. It, 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 it fucked up. But you know what? At least they didn't just ignore it. it there was two choices. Either make it a part of the storyline or ignore it, you know? They decided, like, see, I love John Mox. Like, oh, he's, I don't know. He got the money from probably got the money from Impact. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's funny. Make it part of the story and let it go because at the end of the day, you have to keep going. Like, you know, there's companies that would, this would fuck up. They would just completely nix the whole storylines, never show you highlights. Don't do this. Don't do, listen. The idea is that you have to embrace your fuck ups and, and say, hey, it was a mistake. We had this plan. The assholes didn't do the right thing. But hey, you know what? Let's go on. And that's great. You know, it's going to happen no matter where you go. But at the end of the day, you take a fuck up, you make it part of the storyline. That's the best thing you could do in wrestling. A lot of times, you know, a fuck up happens. I, I've seen this happen in WWF a lot. So sorry, WWE. Whereas if something didn't work the way they wanted to, they completely fucking abandon it. And you're sitting there going, <laughs> and that's what, a big what, joke. Like, like, what happened? It's like, you know, that's a big thing. Like, w, those YouTube guys made tons of lists. Like, here's like 150 lists. Of uh, the times WWE just said fuck the storyline and said we're not going back. That didn't happen last week. It's like, it's like, it doesn't work. But you've invested the crowd in. Like, okay, the only time I felt they ever did it right. Remember when Brian Pillman stole Marlena? Yes. And then he died. But yes. the storyline had to continue. So what did they do? Do you remember what they did? They had Goldust take Marlena to the ring and. I got her back, and then they let it go, right? Because that's all they could do. But at least they didn't ignore it. You know what I'm saying? They had to establish the story was still going. You know, this was the storyline in the middle of it. And then Brian Pillman died. They did the whole Brian Pillman thing. They shitted on his wife on TV. And then, like a week later, Gold Dust came out with Marlena, and the crowd was like, "Yay, I guess!" But at least yeah. they completed the story arc. For better or for worse, you can't always abandon something if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? And uh, I will take that. I love that CM Punk added that. I want to see where he goes next. Um, I'm loving Adam Cole. Looks like a fucking million bucks. Loving it. Um, he always does, right? Fuck. And, and, and now Leo Rush returned for some reason. <laughs> well, you know what? That's what like that's what I love what Tony Khan said. It was like, oh, he's doing this. And Tony Khan's like, uh, yeah, I don't think so. It's we fucking hired his ass. He's like, if he's gonna work anywhere, he's going to work with us. He went on, I remember it was like people like, oh, Leo Rush is gonna do this. And Tony Khan's like, Yeah, I don't think so. He's like, he has like one choice to be either here or he retires. It's like you have to choose. It's like <laughs> we we hired you. It's like this wasn't like a one-off. You asked for a contract. He, Get your I ass just, together. Dude, I, I just know for a fact that Leo Rush better not slip up with Mark Henry ever again. No joke. When you texted me <laughs> right before you texted me, I was joking with Crystal, and me and my wife were like, uh, "I guess Mark Henry approved this fucking trans this, this this promo." And then you texted me about Leo Rush, and I laughed so hard. I'm like, "That's fucking awesome!" And you know what? Good because I think in the ring he is very good. I love yeah. to see him have matches with guys and do that stuff. I would love to see him do stuff. And you know what? Like you said, when he was a Bobby Lashley, he was a great fucking mouthpiece. He was. He was fucking good. You know, I, I, he has personal issues too. 
if he gets over his personal issues, he will be a great asset. You know, everyone yeah, shits he, on companies. Yeah, he better like the whole thing with um him take a sabbatical from WWE that time because he don't want to do any shit there. Let's hope you don't hear any of that stuff over there in AEW. Well, if he does, do you know it's just him? Let's be real. You can't be doing it everywhere. If you do it in one company, then you go to another company, then you go to another, and nobody wants to work with you. You know, well, they, buddy, sometimes you know when you have a bit, you know that guy who gets married like six times? Maybe it's not all the women that's the problem. It might be you. But no, I think he'll be a talent if he finds a good storyline and if he wants to work. Look, it doesn't matter. AEW has a very good roster. They can tell good stories. Holy shit. This was it this week. Fucking Sammy Guevara is going to fight fucking Bobby Fish. I'm fucking give me that. Yes. Thank you. That's going to be fucking awesome. You know, I, that's fucking cool. I love Edge calling out for FTR on on SmackDown. You heard of that, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Um... I thought that was cool. <laughs> I like how it was just a little nod, you know? Speaking, That's of, cool. speaking of SmackDown, uh, one thing I really liked on that show was the Seth Rollins segment where he's vading Edge's house, drinking his orange juice, eating one of his apples, taking a seat in one of his library rooms. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I love Edge calling Beth, don't go home. I'm going to call Daniel and David. And you're like, if you don't know, it's FTR. He's calling <laughs> FTR. I like Dax's like, kick that little bitch's ass. No problem. I'll be right there. Because you know what? They could. <laughs> Those guys are legit. I wouldn't doubt they wouldn't beat his ass. But uh, I love that. That that's see. That's the. I love when wrestlers can do that for their friends, but they find ways. Like obviously, I can't call out FTR, but if I use their real name. Can't say shit, right? Yeah, the general, the general and, audience won't know, but wrestling fans like us would know. And that's cool. And then I love on Twitter how they're able to play up to it. Like Dax was like. Pfft, I'll kick his little bitch ass. I'll be right there. That's fucking cool. And mm-hmm. I, those moments, that's what's great. You know, you have Punk calling out Cole Cabana. He's calling mm-hmm. out whoever, you know, but like he did that on purpose. This was subtle because the truth is in wrestling, no, there's no company guides. There are friends across the board. Like, you know, there are friends who are in AEW who are friends in WWE. There are friends who are WWE that are friends in AEW and Impact. And these guys are in New Japan. They know each other. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've I, been watching, like, I've been telling people to go watch PWG, go watch, you know, um, not CZW so much, but watch PWG, IWC. There's a lot of these smaller promotions. A lot of the wrestlers you like, especially if you're new to the, the AEW roster and you want to know more about them. Go watch those shows because all these guys have been with each other. They all know each other. That's why when you see these matches happen, they're really good. You got to know that these guys all know each other. Brian Cage has worked with everybody. You know? Let's hope he's still AEW within the next six months after well, all we, that shit that happened. Well, Billy Billy keeps joking because we all know Brian Cage. And Billy keeps joking. Like, <laughs> every time he's like, I was like, I heard a, what did he say? I heard the uh, surgeon said he, uh, his wife said the surgeon didn't think he was all that over. But she, he's wrong. He's the most over wrestler in the hospital. And it's like, <laughs> man. And poor Brian Cage had to play fucking like damage control. Like he had to say, like, you know, my wife didn't mean that. She, you know, being a wife. And I'm like, dude, you better tell her to chill the fuck out, bro. <laughs> like, she's not Rebby Hardy. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> they all can't be like that. You all, you could be a cheerleader and support your man, but know that there's reasons for spots. And then you get all these motherfuckers start bitching about like, Companies not having, I see a lot of pro WWE guys now bitching at AEW don't have any black wrestlers that are champions. I'm like, 
You just got a bunch now yourself. <laughs> you didn't have this like a year ago. Like I think that, I think ago. I think more of the point is um, they don't see them more featured on top level programming than they are champions. I, I think that's the, the point, point they were trying to get across. They were trying to cross, but that's not what they were saying. They legitly say, "Oh, you're not going to have any black champions." It's like. Um, AEW has a huge roster of dynamic people from like we were just talking about Will, Will Hobbs. You have fucking private party in a very big feud in a part of a very big program with a legend like Matt Hardy. You have Will Utah, who is Asian. You have Hukata Shida. You have um, uh, um, Riho and you got Emi Sakurai, all Japanese wrestlers. You have um, what's her name? You got uh, half painted face, uh, Thunder Rosa, Rosa. And Diamante having a few with Big Swole. They have a lot of minorities doing a lot of stuff. And you know what? When they hit spots where they become higher level, first out, the acclaim, regardless of what happens, those guys are over. The fans fucking love them. They do. You know, say what you want about how you feel about the dude. The dude's over. The crowd fucking loves the acclaim. Yep. Well, they're minorities, right? You got Dante Martin. I know he's a light-skinned kid, but he is mixed. And he is prominently featured. He is a fucking kid who got a big showing just recently, you know? Got to understand, like, they will get there. But they also have to give people, wrestlers that they know, and that can be over. Like I said, they're building future stars. Sammy Guevara the Spanish guy, right? The kid is over as fuck. Fuego del Sol's over. Yeah, so, you know, there's people of all, people of color. And when you say people of color, we're not just talking about African-American, we're talking about Spanish, uh, Asians, uh, all kinds. We're talking about, you know, Nyla Rose is a big time part of that division. And she's not only just transgender, she's native fucking American. Legit one, like not even like fake, like, like Tatanka, who's like Italian, I think. Like he's just like legit. Like, so they, they are making a, a case, but yeah. Can they get a, a main event level? Yes. Scorpio Sky, don't forget, was uh, tag team champions because they had the free birds rule with Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. So Scorpio Sky was the first African-American in AEW to have a tag team championship title. So yes, they did do it. Do you not remember? Well, that's your fault for not watching. They will get there. These stars will get there. Lucha Brothers, like, let's be fucking real. Like, there's a big, big cast of minorities and people of sexual orientation and people of uh, uh, of all kinds. And it they have to get them over. Will Hobbs has to naturally get over. He, I'm telling you, if Will Hobbs isn't the first heavyweight African-American champion, I'd be shocked as shit. Yeah, I, he's, he's going to be the first. Definitely. And I feel if Leo Rush does right, he might hold the TNT title. I feel that Leo Rush can do that. It might be a, in there some point in time. So let's talk about what if for a second. Did yeah. you watch the last two episodes with? Uh, I am. Fred I'm all up. I'm all up to date. Uh, I love the th- the Thor one. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a nice change of pace because I didn't like the zombie one. No, I, I love the Thor. Uh, one. No, I didn't either. I liked the Thor one, but I, I think this is the only episode where I felt like this couldn't have been a what if story. And to me, it didn't seem like it would have um, changed anything in the timeline if this was legit. Well, here's the thing: like at the end of the day, what if 
there's been so many different versions of what if. There's so many things you could do with what if. What I loved about the series is that what I did if, like I did like the Brie Larson fight though. <laughs> yes. I thought what if in this context is more of what I love is not actually based on any actual comic. This is more like in the in the spirit of the comic book stories. And I love the evolution of the watcher being invisible to being physically seen. And I, someone had said on Facebook and I, their point was that like, I thought in the Loki series that if you're outside the timeline, the stones don't work. I said, well, who says they're outside the timeline? These are multiple timelines. They are breaking through realities, but in every reality, the infinity stones exist. So no matter what, the infinity stones are a fixed point in time, right? Just like the death of Doctor Strange's Doctor girlfriend, Strange's girlfriend is a fixed point in time. You cannot undo it without destroying the fabric of time. The Infinity Stones must exist. So when someone said, "Oh, well, I thought the Infinity Stones were null and void," I'm like, "Yeah, in the TVA, they are null and void." But this is not the TVA. The Watcher is overlooking multiverse. He is not overlooking outside from the multiverse. It exists in a plane of existence where the Infinity Stones can't exist. And did you catch something? I just someone pointed out to me, or I saw it on a YouTube video. They legitimately made what if tie into the Star Wars universe. Did you see it? Let me think it's literally one there when I'll help you figure out where it is. Watchers getting the shit beat out of them by Ultron. Ultron. And they're breaking through the different dimensions. Yo, they break through Mustafar. <laughs> Though, you remember when they hit the lava planet? Uh, yes, Darth, yes, yes, yes. Fucking Darth Vader's castle was in the shot, bro. <laughs> Darth Vader's castle was there. Wow, I didn't catch that in the first glance. It's so fast. It's so fucking fast because he's punching him punching him and every time he hits him it's a different dimension but there was this red lava planet it's fucking mustafa you see the fucking in the in the on the left hand side of the screen it's fucking darth vader's castle on mustafa the fuck bro fucking what if bro that right there made me mark the shit out i marked out like a fucking idiot like yo that means star wars is fucking canon because that's how stupid my brain is right uh but that's crazy. It's because you can do that too. Because it's a what if you break into dimensions, you can be anywhere. And um, the Ultron episode I really loved is because um, remember, <clears throat> Vision was intendedly supposed to be Ultron until the whole thing happened on Age of Ultron. So I've, I love how they set that up and made these stories possible for that. It is what if scenario because Ultron was intended to be the freaking villain. Yeah, but I'll tell you this, what's really funny is at the end of the day, uh, I love my Marvel. I'm a Marvel diehard, but they did rip off DC in this. Uh, Hawkeye having one good arm, that's right from the Dark Knight Returns. Yep. But the difference is that Hawkeye had a robotic arm. Green Arrow didn't have. He just used his teeth uh, to shoot the arrows. He shot the Kryptonite arrow into Superman. Mm -hmm. That was... uh, a, the same right arm was chopped off. Fucking Hawkeye was missing a right arm. They had a robotic arm for him. Uh, but come on, you got to tell me. My father called me. He's like, the fuck is stealing from fucking Green Arrow now? He's like, because that's a big, it was a big deal, that story. Like, you know, he's a one arm fucking Green Arrow. 
So Hawkeye doing the same thing. I guess if you want to fuck up a, an archer, you take away one of his fucking arms, right? But um, yeah, I thought that was so cool. Uh, I loved a lot of it. I thought the fight happened and how Thanos, I mean, how um, yeah, how he killed Thanos, but how uh, he broke through the dimensions. The, uh, it was a really good episode. I thought it was really good because we knew it was going to lead to something. Because if you've seen the trailer, Doctor Strange looking all dark and broody goes to Captain Carter, you know. So obviously they got to fight this Ultron. Is this, so this what if's going to end with this Ultron super fight, you know? Yes. No, I'm, I'm I've never seen. It. I've never seen the Watcher fight before. That's a first. He's he, interfered. He never, well, he never even fought in the comics. No, he's never physically fought. He's interfered. He says, "Oh, I never interfere." Bullshit. Galactus showed up. You told Reed Richards where to get the ultimate nullifier. That's interfering, motherfucker. But like, he's never fucking fought. Never. <laughs> That'll be a good Hulk Hogan analogy. Yeah. Because Hulk Hogan, like, you know, I remember when the Watcher fought right before Andre died. It's like, yeah, okay, idiot. They did a oh, top man. 10 list on YouTube of the times Hulk Hogan just straight up fucking told bullshit. Dude, Jim, Corn- Jim Cornette on his show actually went through that whole list not too long ago. It's funny shit you gotta hear. Yo, he just makes up so many fucking things. It's hysterical. Final thing today, uh, let's get through the WWE draft. Did you? S- I know you probably didn't watch the whole thing of SmackDown, but did you see the draft results? I saw a YouTube video, and as it's fast from the YouTube video, it showed who was drafted to who. Okay, so SmackDown got Hit Row from NXT, which I'm happy about. That To me, that was the only draft pick I was actually happy about for SmackDown. Everything on Raw, they practically got fucked. But they got Edge. Who's well, besides, besides Edge, SmackDown got Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy. They took away Charlotte, which I believe she's losing. They are either having her lose that belt some way, somehow, or her and Becky is going to switch belts if Becky gets drafted to Raw. Oh, yeah, they could do that. I said ill. They're going to do that thing where, like, in the New Day, go up to a... Through profit. They're here. You, you take this, and I'll take this one. It's like, this, that doesn't count. Whatever. Today... I know... Uh, sorry, sorry, I was going to mention... Today's all draft picks from Raw. Nia Jax, Dewdrop, Zelina Vega from SmackDown, John Morrison, 24-7 champion guy, R-Truth, uh, Drake Maverick, T-Bar, Tozawa. So all our, our 24-7 people. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo Crews, Alpha Academy. SmackDown, they got Tony Storm, Aaliyah, Mace, Drew Gulak, Mansoor, and Mustafa Ali. Drew Gulak's still employed? Yes, he is. Oh, shit. I'm shocked. <laughs> yep, they smacked down got him. So, but this Monday, we're going to find out the rest of the results. This and... seems like the most waste of a stupid fucking... This draft just seems so pointless. No, I think the wild card... Sorry, the wild card rule from 2019 is more pointless than t- this year's. But it's also... They've been jumping these wrestlers back and forth anyway. Even right now, they're still doing it. And they don't call the wild card. It's just they would show up. It wasn't like super brand specific, especially when they didn't want it to be. When Especially when the network's bitch that they want this guy to come over and then they bring him over anyway. Yeah. You're like, so it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't, this doesn't excite me because it's the same fucking wrestlers anyway. 
<laughs> it's, it's there's nothing here that happened other than hit row. Well, hopefully they use them right way. They've done this before. They brought up guys like we love. We thought the street profits were going to go up and they were going to do all this great shit, and they really didn't. They got title runs, but were they memorable? No. Uh, Sanity is another. Sanity is another example. Oh, that they fuck Sanity. <laughs> The you second dude, Rob, the second they put them on that main roster, what did the both of us say? They were going to get the shit canned week after week. Then they had that match against the Miz, and Miz single-handedly beat all of them. Dude, Miz, do you realize? I just realized something. Miz is the new Jerry the King Lawler. Remember back in the day when uh, a guy would come in we would like, and then he would be in a feud with Jerry the King Lawler, and you knew his career was over? The Miz has become the new Jerry the King Lawler. The only person who hasn't been affected 100% is uh, Damian Priest. Uh, he, But that's because mostly because Morrison. But when the Miz does anything just on the Miz level, it, it, people forget about it. Same thing when you were doing with Baron Corbin, right? These these are the guys like that are that level where like if you have a feud with this guy, we don't care. You're just there to fill up time. And I don't like that because like, like with Sandy, it was a great group. I thought we all know Eric Young is way better than they ever let him be, but they never wanted him to be, and so it was just fucking pointless. And it's like the dude didn't wrestle for twenty fucking years of his career to not be useful for you. He's fucking useful, but whatever. <laughs> and by the way, Brand Breaker sounds exactly like Scott Steiner. So he sounds like his uncle. He doesn't even sound like his father. He's awesome. That's a big star I see potential with. He sound he cut a promo with him and Tommaso. We're gonna fight the other guys. And legitly, if you were close your eyes, you would have said he's about Scott ready. Steiner. To, he's about ready to cut a fucking Steiner math program, and I'm ready for it. And I just hope he's uh, you know, I mean, he comes from a good wrestling family, of course. Why wouldn't you want him? Let's be real. I joke about Randy Orton, but you guys tell me Randy Orton's not a good wrestler? Right? Randy Orton's a, a good wrestler. Of... It's just a lot of times I feel like he's a bit lazy. He, I said, oh, it's, yeah. I said it since my high school. Randy Orton is the Alex Rodriguez of wrestling. He's good, good when good, he feels like When he feels like being good. But when, his, when he's put out a stinker, it's like, eh. But no, what I'm saying is like, you look at like third generation wrestlers. Charlotte is a very good wrestler. Yes. Uh, so, and she's second generation. As much as people share on Cody, I think Cody is a very good wrestler. He understands what he's doing. He's not going to give you a shit match unless, you know, mistakes will happen. But when Cody's on, Cody's good. So is Dustin, right? Randy Orton. You know, The Rock really became somebody, right? So yes. why wouldn't Scott Steiner's nephew, Rick Steiner's son, not be a fucking good wrestler? I think the only... A child wrestler who didn't live up to their potentials were Ted DiBiase Jr. and Kurt David Clark. Flair. Oh, with David Flair. Well, I didn't want to even count him, but yeah, you're right. He was terrible. There, there's too many on that list. But this guy but, here, it, to me, he wrestles like uh, Rick Steiner and has the mouth of Scott Steiner. Yeah, I definitely think you know he could be something. Um, we'll just see. Like we'll just see. I hope he does good, but you know. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's episode, everyone. Thank you, Rob, for coming on. I can't believe next week is going to be New York Comic Con. Yeah, you have a very safe and good time. Uh, yeah, I don't know even 
anything this year what's happening there. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no insight for this year because I've we've been so far removed from it right now. Um, it, I, I understand my friends PowerCon did fantastic. They were, it was super packed. Mass mandates and all that shit. But the point yeah. is that it was a lot of people there. It was very, very busy. It, it, it was a huge. It looked like it was a huge success. I think what happens is people are super excited just to do anything. So you know you're going to see big numbers at anything that's an event. And New York Comic Con used to have big numbers before, so I would assume to their level they're going to have big numbers now. Just like I said, you just keep yourself safe because you have a lot of things coming in your life very soon. That you need to be more that needs needs you more than fucking Comic Con. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you this, because I know um our son's gonna be born in a few more weeks. I'm happy for that. Yeah. He's gonna see me do all of this shit when he grows up. Yeah, I mean you already have a catalog, not just what you've done on my channel and the videos you've done and the stuff we've done in this podcast, but holy shit, like you. Like, yeah, I mean, I've known you for a decade, right? Just yeah. almost about. And how he's going to have a dad, just like how my daughter has a dad. It was all this all this crazy, geek, fun shit. It's, they're going to be proud of He's going to be so proud of you because you know what? Also, you let them find their own path. Like my daughter, you know, she's not the biggest wrestling fan. She likes to fight and wrestle, but she's not into it like as much as we are. Yeah. But uh, she does like Abaddon. She has her favorites. She likes Darby. You know, she has the people she likes. She loves Asuka, you know. Uh, she loved Finn Balor. You know, she was a big fan of that. But, like, you know, she doesn't watch it religiously. You know what I'm saying? But at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, they find, they find it. They find it on their own. And then they come, they'll go away. And you're like, okay, well, this kid really has no interest in the stuff I like. And then you find out that they do. But you let them find it on their own. It's the coolest fucking thing because my daughter, I didn't force comic books on her. She's drawing her own artwork, making her own comics, and she's learning about it. She's watching all this, the, the anime she's getting into. She's is the same shit that we were into, but now we're watching it again together because yeah. now she's evolving and she's finding her path. She's a gamer. She finds her path. She has her friends that does her shit, and like she's doing stuff together. You're going to see these levels. Where it's going to be all about what daddy does, and then they don't care. That's all about mommy. That comes back down. They find their own path, and then they're back in with you because you like the shit. That's the cool shit. We're into that click of cool shit, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Love the fact that we both have connections to the toy industry. <laughs> oh yeah, that doesn't hurt either. That don't hurt either. Hi, are you just... are you going to um, toy fair in February? I didn't even apply. Um, is, are they, are they, did they, is it up yet? I don't even know. No, let me check right now while we're still on. Give me a second. I didn't, uh, I didn't do it. I don't know if I want to, I'm not comfortable with doing. Oh yeah. It's so, uh, February 19th in, um, 2022. It's one day. 19th to 22nd. Also, oh, is it three days? Yeah. I... It says, uh, it says here proof of uh, vaccinations required to attend. I might do it, but I might just do one day. I might try to do like just go on one day and do what I got to do because Toy Fair is never super crowded anyway. 
because uh, I would love to see some people, and that might be the first thing I do. Um, but I haven't done it. We obviously we did it last year. That's not true because we did Toy Fair 2020, then yeah, pandemic. 2020. Hit. I didn't do Sweet Sweet. We did Sweet Sweet online last year. This year, Crystal went online for Sweet Sweet, and they wanted me a part of some other ones. They were doing a couple other things, the holiday of play and stuff. I didn't do that. Because yeah, I, did, like, I I didn't do that either. I registered for it. That was the one that happened last week, right? Yeah, they were emailing me. They wanted me to show up, and I'm like, "Listen, guys, I'm like, I'm not feeling it. I'm kind of on the other end of that, but I would like because we have so many friends in the toy industry that it's like I would like just to go to Toy Fair just because of that. But I do want to pimp one thing. Go I've been ahead. doing a lot of these uh, cartoon stories. It's story time, cartoon animated stories where I talk about a bunch of shit. So I already started doing 31 days of Halloween. So every day will be a different short story. It's going to be on our TikTok and on our YouTube and on our Instagram and in our Twitter. And so you'll see it no matter where you look, it's there. Uh, so I want people to really check it out. It's a lot of fun. And oh. this is the first time I've actually done a 31 days of anything. Oh, also, I wanted to keep you on the radar. I'm watching Halloween Kills next week. So I'm having a review coming to your website soon. Awesome. Fucking cool. Um, yeah. All right. That's it. I'm good now. <laughs> All right. Let's get the hell out of here. Thank you, everybody, that's um, downloading the show. And thank you, Rob, for coming on. Yep. Later, man. Later.